Hello, welcome to Pod Songs. I'm Jack Stafford, and I interview inspiring people in service to others as inspiration for a new song. Now, when I was growing up, my favourite TV programme in the UK was Red Dwarf, which you may or may not know. Probably not, if you're not English. Today, I'm interviewing one of the main actors, so this is, a, this is great. He also presented Scrap Heap Challenge, and now he's the presenter of Fully Charged, which is a YouTube channel all about electric cars. So we'll probably be talking mostly about this because my girlfriend wants us to get an electric car, so I want the complete lowdown. Let's chat with Robert Llewellyn. Hello. I'm sorry. I was here, but I've never, I've never used this um, particular software before. So I was I was going. Oh, gotta use that. That's good though. I'm on. I, like I feel it. like I'm on set. You've got the fully charged in the background there. <laughs> well, it's just I've been. Oh, it's been a it's been a day, but this is fun because it's not my response. I don't know. Well, it is my responsibility to be a reasonable human being, but it's not so. Difficult, uh, yeah. I've just actually been on a call for the last hour about my spouse visa application for, my, my wife is Australian, and so I can live in Australia, but uh, I'm, we're not planning on doing this, but I've got to apply for the, at the moment, uh, uh, I couldn't go to Australia as a tourist. No one can, you know, so you have to be, we're talking about <laughs> next year but you know early next year but anyway that's been really complicated all the numbers i've been writing down numbers of visa types mm, okay i'll remember that no maths questions yeah. let me just write that yeah, down. No maths, <laughs> and did because uh, holly's been great she's been really good she's very good isn't she yeah, she yeah. Is. she's very patient with me which she has to be <laughs> but she, she's good she explained the whole concept of the show well yes so i but Forgive me for not being 100% up to speed right now, but I'll catch up very quickly. Well, um, The I song, I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued about the song. That yes. is very intriguing. But then I don't have to, because I was anxious, go, what, have I got to write a song? Which <laughs> would be way out of my skill skill set. But That's a but, broad uh, skill set, yeah, yeah. You've done so yeah. many different TV shows. I mean, that's. Uh, I'm surprised you haven't done a song one yet. Well, I have uh, before I ever did TV. I'm just wondering, uh, is my mic sounding all right? Because I had to move it earlier on, but yeah, I might bring it in a bit. And do you, do you have... So that it's, yeah. And do we have a, around an hour, 45 minutes to an hour? Is that... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, before I was on... Now it feels too intrusive. Mm, yeah, I know what it's like, yeah. <laughs> um, before I had, was on TV, I'd, I was in a, a, a comedy performance group. And I wrote, I did write songs for that. They they were quite quirky ones. So that one of the there was four of us, and one of the guys who was in the group wrote brilliant lyrics. He was a really clever lyricist, short, succinct, little clever, brilliant stuff. And I mine were waffling, wobbly things. But one or two of them w worked as performance pieces. Um, you know, the, uh, I wrote a lot of I wrote sort of most of the sketches, and he wrote most of the songs. But uh, so I did try and write songs, and I used to do singing. Which was generally, if it, they, they, other people in it were really good singers. They had proper skills, and I would do quite good, quite good quality mouthing along with them. So it looked like I was singing. 
because if I actually did singing, it was a little bit flat. <laughs> it was quite. I found it quite hard. It didn't come naturally. When I was researching, I saw the carpool program as well. Did Did James Corden take that from? Was he inspired by you? Um, no, I, I, I'm sure he wasn't. But the, it was funny that I was because no, it predates that all that stuff oh. by a long way. Other people had made TV shows with cameras in cars. It was really as the technology became plausible. So the cameras that I used in the car were good quality and tiny, which was, you know, uh, five years before, you'd have to have a huge rig on the outside of the car with a massive camera, <laughs> you know, be ridiculous. So that made so that was part of the reason it happened and, and part of the reason he could do it. But so, I mean, it's, it's debatable. He... I have never met him. I don't know him at all. But I was at an, a Jaguar event in Los Angeles, uh, the, the launch of an electric Jaguar, the I-Pace. And uh, I did a little talk there. And while I was doing that, I saw him. He was being interviewed in a, a, in a very big space in Los Angeles. And then when he was leaving, his people ushered him past where I was standing. And I had a canapé and a glass of wine. And I, all I got was a, a look, which was sort of, uh. <laughs> so I, I interpret it as a guilty look, but whether it was or not, I don't know. That was Crichton. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But I would have been, no, I mean, it, it, it's it's a ridiculous notion that, you know, that they, because they, I can't sing, so he's good, he can belt out a tune, you know, mm -hmm. with someone who's a brilliant singer. So that's a very different, they're very different shows. Yeah. And also he, he's quite often not driving. He's actually on a trailer, which is, you know, there's been, they've leaked some photographs of the rig they use. It's very impressive. So he's in a Range Rover, and he's doing steering like that. The steering wheel isn't connected to anything, and the car's being towed. I think it's when they have sort of very valuable mm. guests. <laughs> yes. If you had a it, was always a, it was always a bit of a worry for me that I didn't want to even have a, you know, no one ever wants an accident, but I didn't even want like a gentle shunt. Mm. Where I just sort of, it would have been so, and I never did in all that. I did 142 episodes or something, and I was, I was very careful driving all the time. Okay, so for this, yeah. I assume for this song, we need to go electric cars here. No, not at all. No. But uh, uh, I mean, if if you like, uh, I couldn't think of anything except that we applied for the rights to use the song. I don't know if you saw the song I, did, I sent. Yeah. Uh, um, which was a long time ago. It's not new. And um, and the band, they might be giants. Yep. Reply. One of the guys replied to me, or one of the, or someone replied to me from the band. They wanted me to use it, but the music rights. You all know this more than I do. The kind of publishers, they would not allow it no, at all. No. So we never did use it because I just like it's such a quirky and like whimsical song. I quite liked it. You know, I so did. Uh, yeah. We wanted to use it as title music, but we never did. It never happened. Well, let's do this for you. Let's do an electric car song. I mean, if you want to, I would be, I would be delighted. But no, I'd certainly not insist. Uh, not saying it's. I got don't to have be. an electric car song yet, so no. this is this is a meeting <laughs> of our needs. <laughs> yeah, everyone should be writing at least one electric car song yeah. in, in yeah. their career. Yeah, I've done other appliances, but never, uh, never. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd be very happy with a vacuum cleaner or a washing machine. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so I've made a list of. The, the biggest myths about electric cars and also i'm thinking of buying one myself so it's we can fill All me right, in as okay. well yeah so rather than educate yeah. myself i've tried to find the biggest myths about electric cars and right. i'll bowl and you bat okay all right 
So here's the first one. Electric cars are not as green as they're made out to be because of the resources used in manufacturing. The bad news. Right. Yes. Um, uh, well, okay. okay. So I'm trying to do it in a succinct way. Uh, no uh, mechanical machine can be classified as green. Mm. <laughs> that would be my first thing. This is an absurd notion. Walking in recycled sandals made out of old car tires, you could argue if you're a vegan, mm. that's quite a green transportation system. Mm. But you've really got to be careful. And you must not have eaten a lot of beans because if you fart, you're reducing that stuff. So, you know, there are ways of doing it. Cycling, very, very minimal impact. Mm. Uh, catching public transport reduces the impact enormously, you know, all those things. So a car has a has an impact. What is the, the big difference with an electric car is when it comes out of the factory, it is arguably, but that's reducing all the time, marginally dirtier, if you like, or with a greater CO2 footprint than um, a diesel or petrol car. But from that moment on, from the moment it leaves the door of the factory, it's just getting cleaner. And it, that is because of the fuel it uses. So um, even in the last 10 years, the electricity supply in the, in, in the United Kingdom has in, increased in its cleanliness, if you like. It's reduced the amount of CO2 per kilowatt hour by a really extraordinary amount. I mean, it is quite an achievement that's sort of gone under the radar a bit. You know, we have such a vast amount of offshore wind that that's, that is where, and that's particularly, vegans. it's for the vegans. And that's particularly relevant to electric cars because I've got an electric car plugged in right behind me at the moment. It's not charging now because electricity is very expensive at the moment. It'll switch on whenever the electricity gets cheaper, about probably one o'clock in the morning. And that electricity is cheaper because it's wind, and wind is cheaper. <laughs> so you know, so it's cheaper and it's cleaner. Mm. So those, so that the the um, uh, uh, arguments are that the battery manufacturing the battery is this massive, massive uh, debt to to a carbon, you know, uh, and much bigger than a diesel engine is entirely down to uh, the quantities of vehicles made. Mm. So now the, the ramping up of uh, mass production of electric vehicles, and it, it is remarkable how fast that's happening, is reducing those those differences enormously. And then the, the massive dirt <laughs> uh, of a, a combustion engine, it's like it only gets dirtier. Oh, yeah, it yeah. gets dirtier and less efficient. An electric car gets clear. So that crossover point used to be argued was about five years. You have to have an electric car five years and it's cleaner than a diesel or petrol car. And now it's about 18 months. And I would think in the next 10 years, it will be a, 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 just an null and void argument. It's not, not. And I think it's that the length of their lifespan as well is the other really critical thing. So there are now electric vehicles on the road that have done half a million miles on their original battery pack and are going in for a service to have a new battery pack put in but they've done half a million miles. And they are now talking about the one and two million mile battery, which means the car will fall to bits long before the battery's worn out. And you'll use the battery either in another car or in other applications like running your house or powering a shop or a factory or something like that. Oh, so you can recycle the battery? Very much so. So I've got a Nissan Leaf that's currently in Amsterdam. This is <laughs> the curse of lockdown. I can't get anywhere near it. It's, being, it's having its battery replaced. It's 10 years old, and uh, and eventually I'll get it back here. I don't know when, so there's no rush. But that the battery that's in the car now is very, very useful. So that's being put into a box on wheels 
with some electronics and I can then use that as a as a extra backup supply at my house or elsewhere at our office or something like that we might use it so so yeah they have another much longer life after they've done the car so that 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 battery started out as a 24 kilowatt hour battery and now because I haven't looked after it and it's one of the early models it's worn down a bit it's probably only got 19 18 and a half 19 kilowatt hours capacity which reduces the range that you can drive it but it's 18 kilowatt hours capacity that's enough to run a house for a day you know without any problem at all you know so and the strain on that battery is minute in comparison with the strain on it when it's in a car when you accelerate a car electric car hard you're using every single electron you can possibly take out of those batteries as fast as possible uh, and when you switch on your washing machine it's you know it's nothing it's it's it, it's turning on an indicator in an electric car so, so they do last yeah they last a lot they have a very long second life so it's like a retirement home for batteries where they just get to do it's exactly jobs. what they call it they call it retire reti- it is a retirement job for batteries yeah oh. yeah fantastic so but are they is there dangerous is there a risk they can catch fire i mean i think there is, there is if there are electrical faults with it there is a, a a a low range of that but if you actually look at the statistics so far of the electric cars on the road of which there are now millions mm-hmm. rather than a, you know it was very difficult to make any statement about that say five years ago when there was you know literally a few thousand there's now millions of electric vehicles and the 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 data suggests they're so much less likely to burn than uh, than combustion cars. I mean, that's um, 70,000 people, I think, a year die of combustion car fires in the United States. So it's very, you know, cars that we're used to are very dangerous. If yeah. you're in a very high-speed crash and petrol leaks and there's hot metal around mm-hmm. it, you know, stuff, bad stuff happens. They do burn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, doesn't I mean they're brilliant? You know, I mean they are brilliantly designed and they've been developed over decades now to be safer. But it's not impossible okay. for a car to catch fire. And I mean, actually, the engines, engine bays in uh, combustion cars catch fire very often. That's very often the cause of the problem. Not even a crash. Mm. There'll be an electrical fault that sparks something. There's a lot of you know fuel, hot hot metal. Bad stuff happens. Yeah, if you tried to introduce. So I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I've got batteries in my house. I live in a wooden house. There's been nights when I've woken up and going, God, I hope that doesn't burst into flames. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, if if one of if like a house battery caught fire, it gets in the papers. If an electric car catches fire when it's charging, it's always a news story mm-hmm. because it's new technology, okay. and it's not. It just hasn't happened very often. I guess if they did it the other way around and said, now you have to drive around with a a tank of petrol tied to the roof people would say there's a, the, one of the best presentations i ever saw which was a powerpoint presentation done in a at westminster was a young civil servant who'd looked at the legislation health and safety legislation that the government has and he'd done this 10 slide presentation this is how we would introduce petrol combustion engine vehicles now and there's a great photo they were like stock photos happy family in a car there's dad driving mum smiling kids waving and then they stop and they're met by four people in hazmat suits that usher them out of the car and they make them stand behind a blast wall <laughs> they then push the vehicle to the refueling station and then with all this breathing apparatus they take a highly toxic highly inflammable fuel that if you breathe in kills you and they refill the car then they seal it then they open all the doors and windows to aerate it and then the family are allowed to get back in and carry on driving and that's how using 
current legislation that is in existence now for using dangerous and toxic fluids. That's that was what you would have to do if you introduced petrol cars today, which was beautifully done yeah. because it was. It, it, he referred to the actual law, the regulations with each step. So the blast wall, I think, it was very sensible. Massive <laughs> blast wall because it could blow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dangerous. <laughs> okay. Very silly. All right then. So um, um, I think we did that one. They're only economical to run if you have solar panels to charge them. Yeah, no, that's very easily refuted. It's just nonsense. I mean, they are amazingly economical run if you to run if you uh, can charge them because your your per mile costs, you've got a really difficult calculation. It's literally tyre wear, wear and tear on the vehicle because your fuel cost is zero. So it goes down to sort of a penny every 10 miles or something like that, whereas a combustion car is between 15 and 50 pence a mile. <laughs> depending on the car. Um, but uh, I think the, the important thing to, to explain is if you, you can measure the, the energy in a liquid fuel like petrol or diesel in kilowatt hours, in kilowatts, mm -hmm. and a kilowatt hour equivalent of petrol will move a, 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 you know, a reasonable economic petrol car between 500 metres in a kilometre, so less than a mile for one kilowatt hour. And one kilowatt hour will move all electric cars, at least three, and, and many of them f over four, and, and some of the better ones over five miles. So the energy use is hugely reduced mm. for, uh, to move you along the road. And so, and electricity costs anything between, you know, I, I don't know what, five pence, four pence a kilowatt hour at night to 15, 20 at peak times. And so, um, it's just cheaper. It's just there's no way you you're the only way you can make a an electric car as expensive as a, a petrol car is if you've got a big Tesla, say the Tesla Model X, and you charge it on the most expensive rapid chargers. Then the cost per mile then is about equivalent of driving a small family petrol car or diesel car. So it, it, there is the cost differentiation currently, and this is because there's no tax on electricity. So you're paying a lot of tax on fuel. But the, the, the actual amount of energy that a combustion car uses is greater per per mile than, than an electric car, regardless of the cost. You know, you, you're using more energy to move yourself along. Uh, uh, combustion engines are very inefficient mm -hmm. machines. That's, that's the, the kind of key thing I've learned since I've been involved in this, because I love them. And I always had very silly, you know, di different vehicles, you know, uh, and, and with big engines and loud and noisy and stupid stuff, and I loved it. And then you, once you work it out, you go, oh, I mean, I still love it. Mm. And I, I really want combustion engines to be around in 150 years' time so people can go and see them, but, you know, in museums. But you want to be able to start them up. I want, I want to, uh, my great-great-great-grandchild to hear a big block V8 ticking over. Behind a blast <laughs> wall. Yeah, behind a blast wall. With good ventilation to take the toxic fumes away, you know, but anyway. <laughs> so how much range do you have on the car now with the one charge? It absolutely depends on the car. So they, they range from, you know, I don't think there's any cars you could buy now with less than 100 miles. So the, the minimum would be about 100 miles up to just released this uh, the, uh, the last couple of days. The latest Tesla Model S long range is 420 they say 420 miles. So I would say realistically 380 to 400 on, you know, 
normal driving in the rain when it's when there's some hills and it's horrible weather. So, you know, uh, we certainly have a number of, by the end of this year, a number of 400 mile plus range electric cars, but they're at the top end. So the average bit is between 150 and 200 miles range, which is, uh, it's hugely adequate for 99% of all car journeys. And then if you are doing a really long drive on a holiday once a year, um, you can stop and recharge them. I mean, that now all of them are starting to recharge much faster than five years ago. So they're charging sort of from, say, 10% to 80% is 15 minutes, 20 minutes. So, you wow. you know, you're adding, a, a, you're adding like 150 miles of range in that sort of time. And then the really high-end cars, like the Porsche Taycan, that can charge uh, at such a high speed. That is adding uh, 100 kilometers in five minutes, 100 kilometers of range wow. in five minutes. So, you know, that's that's... There's not that many of those charges around, and the Porsche Taycan is not a cheap urban runabout. My iPhone doesn't but do that, that. Yeah, exactly. But that is so, okay, so to put that in perspective, so if you see a rapid charger at a motorway services or a car park or something, it's a big box with wires coming out of it. Most of those now, up to now, have been 50 kilowatts. And what the Porsche Taycan can use is about 280 kilowatts. So, so 50 kilowatts adds about f- 500 miles range in one hour. If, if you had a car that could have 500 miles, it, that's what it could possibly deliver. The, the Porsche Taycan is delivering over 1,000 miles range in an hour, so about 1,300 miles range. If it had 1,300 miles range, that's how much you could add in an hour. <laughs> in reality, what you're doing is 20 minutes adds 250 miles. Yeah, you know, that's... Yeah. A, so it's definitely on. So part that's of got it. much faster. But I mean, the, the other, th- I think the really critically important thing is those, that sort of public charging infrastructure is vitally important and it needs to be there. But anyone that gets an electric car works out very quickly within a couple of months driving it. They barely ever use that. It's so unusual because you can charge your car. Uh, if you can charge your car at home, mm. which is the majority of people who are buying electric cars now have somewhere off the street to park them. Not all of them, but they do. And so that is, you just go, why would I, I've got, an, I've got to go 40 miles down the road to see my auntie. I'm going back to the warehouse to pick up the thing. I'm coming into the shops and I'm coming home. Any electric car does that. It's, it's like, you don't even think about it. You don't think about it. You, when you get in in the morning, it's full. Unless you forget one night in 10 years, I forgot to plug it in. <laughs> that is annoying. And I had to go sober the morning. No! <laughs> it didn't charge because I didn't plug it in. Wow. I forgot. But you learn that one very quickly, you know. You don't do, make that mistake twice. And how much is the kit at home? And what do you have to have special infrastructure to get to set it up at home? No, I mean, if you have a seven kilowatt charger, which is the standard little box that you put on the wall, that is the same power as your cooker. So any house has that ring main. That it, that, so it would be an extension on that. So you need an electrician to to fit it. And that can be outside. It doesn't have to be inside. They're waterproof. And that... Uh, they range from, I think, like 250 quid to 500 quid. They can be quite expensive, but there is actually still in the UK a government grant, which more or less reduces it to nothing, uh, to, to encourage people to fit them. And we've just been to a couple of housing estates where very forward-thinking, progressive builders are, are building houses that have no gas boilers, they're ground source heating, they've got solar panels on the roof. They're all built with chargers on the house already. 
Mm. You know, so, so that's going to, I mean, and that will in, be increasingly common because it's a, it'll just be a standard fitting on a house in the next few years, you know. But there, yeah, there's certainly a cost involved in fitting that. Okay. What's the next one here? Um, is it worth getting a hybrid as they become more efficient? It's quite a contentious area. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, and particularly because of recent advertising uh, uh, anomalies, uh, courtesy of Toyota. So they've been making brilliant... I had one, a, a Toyota Prius, brilliant car. And they've now decided to market that as a self-charging hybrid. And it's a really uh, wicked thing to do because I think sensibly most people aren't the slightest bit interested in bloody cars or how they work. They just want something they get in, they can drive, it's warm and safe and you know it gets there that's all that matters so they hear self-charging hybrid a neighbor of mine well-educated man not stupid clever you know erudite man he came over all excited he wanted to get one of the self-charging hybrids because you never have to plug it in i said well no you don't but you have to fill it with petrol yeah. and his face was it was amazing he went on it's petrol you know, well, how do you think it worked? You know, you then go, oh, God, this is so difficult not to be rude. I was really polite to him. Yeah. You know, it's a, uh, so it's a petrol guard. So I would say now the time of that car has well passed. It was a vitally important car. Hybrids, uh, you know, like that, a mild hybrid, as that's called. So that does have a little battery and the engine charges the little battery. And so when you are slowing down, you know, the amount of energy we waste with brakes in ordinary cars you don't do that with an electric car you get all that you get a lot of that back because you're using the motor to slow you down and that generates electricity and it goes in, back into the battery and you can drive probably almost a mile if you're really careful and it's a nice warm day and it's not too windy on on just electric if you're under 30 miles an hour in a mild hybrid so you can and if you drive really carefully you're certainly increasing your Fuel efficiency, they are more efficient. Like a Prius can do 65 or 70 miles to the gallon, and it's quite a big car. So that is really impressive. The plug-in hybrid is the next step, and that had a really important role, I think, because it got a lot of people used to the notion that you can plug a car in, and then you drive it, and you don't use the petrol engine. Oh, it's amazing. And people drive literally hundreds of miles. They never use any petrol. So you're carrying they, all this gasoline go, with you. <laughs> but you're carrying a great big tank of gasoline and a massive heavy engine. And you're going, well, why have I got that? And that's been a step that a lot of people have taken. Oh, I don't want the bloody engine. I'll just have the electric. Um, and, you know, and that is on some of the exceptionally good ones that have enough range to make it plausible. You know, so there are some of those. But in a sense, I think now that that technology is redundant. And there's going to be loads of people who go, oh, no, I don't feel safe unless I've got an engine. And those people are going to grow old and die. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I'm one of them. But, you know, they're going to, there's the, the next generation will go, seriously, did you honestly sit in a machine that had explosions going on in a big lump of metal that used a flammable <laughs> toxic fluid? And you had to do gears. How, you know, I just, I can't wait to explain to my grandchildren. I hope I live long enough to have them. So, so they go, Granddad, did you really have to sit there and put one foot on one pedal and move a lever? Such crude Victorian technology. It is unbelievable. Even turning a car, you know, turning a car on, I still get confused by. I get in a I get in my car, I've got my phone with me, I get in my car and I put it in drive and it drives. I don't do anything else. You have to press a button. Nothing. No. There isn't a button. There's no buttons. <laughs> I would be in there for half an hour. Yeah. 
<laughs> when I get in a car now that has buttons, I'm all thrown. Oh, God, I forgot to press it. How does it, how does it work? <laughs> no, there's no buttons, no key, no nothing. It's just, yeah. And that's going to, you know, that technology is becoming more and more common. I mean, there's, that's, you know, most, most cars, you still have to have a key, even if you don't put it in anything. Mm. But I, I've got a Tesla, so, you know, they're in a slightly different league. Yeah. I heard you talking on your podcast about how the, the car manufacturers are really going to struggle because a lot of the things they make, the engine, the gearbox, yeah. are kind of irrelevant. So the, the Apple could introduce in a car. It's hugely comp- It's a huge challenge for them. I actually heard a proper, I'm not going to name him because he's quite well known uh, in the automotive circuits, but a really well-informed like CEO level automotive guy who just gets it he knows he understands the complexities of how you run a massive global company that produces millions of cars and he was just saying this this transition is agony for the automotive industry it's so painful having to close down effectively close down factories that employ 10,000 people you know it's the scale of it we can't really imagine in somewhere like brazil and you go, oh my god! And they, that's where they make engines. Well, they're not going to make engines anymore. You know, they're already ramping that down, and they're trying to work out how to make electric motors, which they've never done. It's all new batteries. What is that? You know, and software. And when you see the the jump ahead that Tesla have this unfair advantage, and I hate Tesla. <laughs> Even they drive me mad. But they're you know they're five years minimum ahead of any other car maker really in that field oh easily because their software is so clever and their battery management is so advanced and the way they get the most energy out of it their their fuel efficiency of a big car tesla model s is a great big hefty car does incredible amount of miles to the kilowatt hour whereas a smaller car made by an existing manufacturer you go that's not that's using a lot of electricity. I mean, the Porsche, I was mentioning earlier, the Porsche Taycan, you'd expect it to use a shit ton of electricity, and it does. Mm-hmm. And then you get an equivalent Tesla that is as heavy, slightly faster, goes much further on one charge, uses less electricity. You know, and you go, how that? How have they done that? How? Porsche are not slovenly when it comes to brilliant vehicle design. You know, they, but that technology is completely new to them. They're still getting used to it. Wow. So what will it's, when will the tipping point come then? Are, are they going to make are they going to make? I heard in Holland they were going to make combustion engines illegal. Is that it? When what's the? Oh uh, yeah. So I don't know about whole countries. I think it will happen eventually, or like it's meant to be happening here. And you know by twenty thirty we won't be, but you know be, you won't be able to buy a new combustion engine vehicle. Theoretically, that's the the ruling. Certainly, cities it's happening very rapidly. So Amsterdam very very soon you won't be able to drive a combustion engine vehicle within a certain area of the city like the congestion zone or like a clean air zone i think the same is happening in paris and then that same is happening in madrid and in berlin and in los angeles and in san francisco i mean a lot of cities around the world london will certainly be very close to like zero emission it's really to do now with delivery vehicles that's the the challenge for city authorities and that's happening that will happen faster than private cars long time before all private cars are electric, all ground transportation delivery vans, trucks, last mile deliveries in cities will all be electric. There was no, that's happening so fast. Wow, so much quicker than I thought. So, yeah, I, I was driving to Bristol the other day, or before Christmas, down the M5 in the west of England, and uh, I kept passing these big um, vehicle transporter trucks. 
and there, there was vans on them. I said, that's an unusual sight. You know, it's usually cars, it's vans. And it was, they all they all said Amazon on the side. And as I went past, I said, oh, they're, they're Mercedes electric ones. And it wasn't one or two. It was about a thousand. You know, they are, Amazon are, Amazon have ordered 100,000 electric vans in the, in the United States and 10,000 in this country. So they've, there's already one Amazon distribution plant in uh, uh, thing, you know, center in outside Leicester that only has electric uh, vans going in and out of it. <sighs> so that will happen much much quicker because they're just going. Yeah, that you look at a spreadsheet. You're one of those people that does that. I don't even know. You look at the spreadsheet. How much do we spend on diesel? <laughs> Christ, it's millions and millions. Of, how much? If we had that in electricity, how much do we spend? It's hundreds of thousands. That's the difference. They're saving, they're saving millions of dollars, <laughs> not buying diesel. <laughs> so it doesn't take them long to work it out. And the other thing that I don't know if you may or may not be aware of, but electricity can go two ways along a wire. This took me a long time to understand this. <laughs> so I can send electricity from my solar panels into the grid. So that's one wire in my house, and it goes. electricity can go both ways. A car can do the same. So you can send the electricity from a car battery, into your house or into the grid. And if you've got a very big battery, like you would have in a truck or a van, you can charge that at night when it's very, very cheap. But it's say that that van is stationary and plugged in in your depot at five o'clock at night when electricity is mind-numbingly expensive, the wholesale price, you sell that electricity. And if you've got 50 vans, you're actually making money. If you've got a 1,000 vans plugged in, that's the equivalent of a small coal plant power station. And if you've got a million cars plugged in and they can all donate, and it's tiny, it's like they're giving five miles range of their capacity. They're not emptying. They're just a bit, it helps balance the grid. The grid's constantly got to stay, that's demand, that's supply. You know, yeah. demand goes, oh God, supply goes up. Demand drops, you drop the supply. You know, that's happening all the, like this, literally this speed all the time, 24 hours a day. Wow. And there's huge teams of engineers balancing that. They're balancing the grid. And if you've got this facility to go, we need six gigawatts right now because everyone's put the fucking kettle on. <laughs> you can take you can take that from a battery in a millisecond, and you can take it from a million batteries in a millisecond. Whereas if you have to start a gas turbine, it takes about four minutes to get it going. So you've got to really, you know, and it's very very expensive, and you're burning gas that we buy from uh, President Putin. Just an <laughs> argument, just an extra layer of argument there. So, would you make money from your battery that you've put in the in the garage now? The, the old. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not impossible. So, um, uh, I, my, mine isn't set up to do that, and I don't know that you're actually allowed to do that domestically. What what I can do is uh, I get a set rate for selling electricity. So, it, and it's very low. Mm. It's very very small, which is the way it should be. It shouldn't be well. So, there used to be a thing called the feed-in tariff, and that was important to encourage people to have solar panels but in terms of equality and fairness the only people who could afford solar panels were flash middle class bastards and that meant that someone who's in a council flat uh, on the fifth floor they couldn't have solar panels and they were paying extra for their electricity to pay some rich bastard in the Cotswolds who's got solar panels on his roof that stopped okay. <laughs> and it should stop and I don't, I've never had the feed-in tariffs. I've never felt comfortable about it. But now I can actually sell excess electricity I don't need. When I send electricity into the grid, mm -hmm. which is rare, and it's in the summer from solar panels, then I get paid a, a modicum amount for that. But what I can do, because I have a, a variable tariff at home, is I charge 
for instance, cars or the batteries or heat water when electricity is very cheap. And, and, and there are times, because of the way our grid works in the UK, our generating capacity more than the grid, that there are times when the wholesale price of electricity is not what we pay as consumers, but what electricity companies or big factories would pay for electricity goes astronomically high to a level we can't imagine. You know, it's thousands and thousands of pounds a megawatt hour. And when it goes the other way around, when there's a lot of wind or it's sunny, it's a sunny, windy day. There were numerous days last year where this happened. That wholesale price goes negative. So then the grid will pay people to use that electricity to help balance it. So a big uh, aluminium factory will be paid to run at, at maximum capacity because they use a huge amount of electricity. Big manufacturing plants are paid uh, concrete uh, cement works are paid money to use electricity. It might only be for one or two hours. It's not like months. It's it's a period. But they all ramp up. And the other people who get paid are, are people with variable tariffs. So I can be paid to, to charge my car. Wow. And there was a great story last year where a man in, who had a Tesla uh, drove to from his house in Bedfordshire to Edinburgh for £5.61 but he got paid £5.61 for the electricity he put in the car to allow him to drive to, to Edinburgh. And that was, the, you know, it was such a great way he sold, he sold the story. I said, I got, I, it's £5.61 to drive to Edinburgh. That's how much I was paid. So that is, I think, a temporary thing. It's not going to last that long in terms of in decades because it has to be compensated for. You know, it's, a, it's, it's uh, as we transition to more and more renewables. There's going to be periods of time, quite long periods of time, where we just produce so much electricity, we don't know what to do with it. And this is always the thing people always go, what about the intermittency? Hmm. Renewables are much less intermittent than a gas power station or a coal power station, because when they go wrong, they go wrong for months, and they're taken offline for months, where they rebuild, it costs billions, and we pay for it. We have to pay for it in our electricity bills. The less we have of that old technology the better off we are because uh, a wind turbine out at sea is incredibly reliable it's really simple technology it does need maintaining it's not that they just ignore it but it's minuscule and it might be offline for four or five hours in every six months while they do maintenance or whatever they do to it and the rest of the time it's running 24 hours a day and you know that's the it's the flip side it's all the every assumption that we all made about renewables oh well actually it's not windy if you have a if you have go out at sea two things go out at sea and, and get in a boat and put an anchor in it's fucking windy <laughs> just get used to it it's always windy and if you uh put a tower up that's 250 meters tall and each blade is 110 meters long it's mind-bogglingly massive and the amount of catchment area those blades have is so huge that even if you do that and you can't feel anything, that blade is still turning. They, they are, there's, there are hours a year when they're not turning, when it's hyper still. You know, they, they're basically running all the time. Wow. And they, they're constantly being turned off because we're producing too much electricity and there's nowhere to put it. Yeah. So we need more people with electric cars to absorb that power when, it, when it's there. I never noticed such an education for me, Robert. I never knew all of this. <laughs> Well, it's it's every now and then I'll learn a thing, you know, I'll go, well, I'm looking at those wind turbines, you know, driving along the motorway and they're not turning. See, they don't work. It's a con. <laughs> and then you find out from the engineers that build them. Well, no, 
we didn't, there was no demand for it. We don't turn them because it unbalances the grid. There's too much power. And you're going, oh, what a waste. <laughs> so it could be going. <laughs> so that's, we're in a transition. It's going to be painful. We're in a painful energy transition. You can't, the reason we stop wind turbines is because you can't really stop solar panels. If you've got a salt, you know, you'd have to literally get a load of people with big, thick blankets and cover them all up. <laughs> That's the only way you can turn them off. Oh, my God. So I was obviously you've answered these, all of these, I think, but um, <laughs> I'm completely sold. But um, so I'm always thinking, you know, when there's new, new technologies coming out, there's always, oh, I'll wait till next year because next year's model is better. Yeah. And oh, I'll, it's going to lose my money. I'll wait till next year. Is, is now yeah. the right time? No, I'm, I, I mean, I, I'm so jealous of people now because, you know, when I first had electric cars, there was no charging infrastructure. There was nothing. I had a three-pin socket in the garage that was hanging. Then even the screws that held it on the wall had broken. So it was literally just dangling. It was extremely unsafe. Um, and the car, that car would do maybe 60 miles, you know, 65 miles, something like that. I loved it, but it wasn't, you know. And so the later adopters have so much more choice. We've just done a, a show, which is a list of all the cars that are available now, 71 electric vehicles, different models uh, that are available in the in, in Europe. Not all of them are available here, but most of them are. I'm in Italy. So, and then, and, and by, uh, yeah, and then by, uh, oh, you're in Italy, yeah. eh? Oh, right. Italy doesn't have a lot of electric cars. No, that's what... <laughs> We'll talk about that yeah. in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but the, uh, the, um, uh, Sorry, where was oh yes, by the end of next year, so by the end of 2022, the estimate is between three and 400 different models available. So there's a lot coming out this year and there's a lot more coming out next year. So that side of it is changing, the choice is changing. But they are still more expensive to buy new at the moment. It, that The gap between a brand new petrol car and a brand new electric car is reducing mm -hmm. all the time. And there is a lot of pundits and engineers and, and speculative discussion that it's a it's going to be 2022 23 when you'll be able to go to a showroom and you'll go and the show the the, the person will always try and sell you the combustion I car because they'll make yeah. more money out of it over there but they, you will go there's the petrol one there's the plug-in hybrid here's the electric and the electric will be the cheapest to buy you know that's not that far away but should i wait um, till then or is it is it, if i buy a combustion new combustion engine car now is it losing value much more quickly than the electric it's it's like it is likely to that's the other that's a discussion that i when i hear it discussed by proper engineers and clever people in the automotive industry i go oh god that sounds really complicated i don't so that that um you know the, the its long-term value is definitely decreasing which is one of the reasons that the, the uh, sales have dropped so the sales have really dramatically dropped uh, particularly diesel. So buying a diesel now is the most stupid thing you can possibly do, <laughs> apart from the fact that it's disgustingly dirty, even though they call it clean diesel. But uh, I mean, the things you've got to consider, um, so the bizarrely, this country, the UK, is quite, quite far ahead in terms of infrastructure for electric vehicles, of renewable energy. Uh, it, it has a lot of government commitment to that. So uh, considering the many aspects of our current administration <laughs> you know <laughs> and i'm not a big fan but it, it i have to acknowledge that that aspect so their their commitment to renewables their commitment to electric vehicles is unimpeachable so they are pushing that and it, it you can see it on the streets italy 
is slightly different. So I've driven to Italy twice in, in uh, electric cars, it, very easily, in a Tesla. And there are Tesla superchargers. So that's so. what is the critical thing there is what your charging infrastructure is like and how much support you, you feel you would have driving longer distances in Italy to do that. Um, I mean, every other... Uh, bone in my body is incredibly jealous that you're in Italy because I love it and my <laughs> wife is obsessed with Italy and she wished she'd married an Italian instead of a pom <laughs> but so we've spent quite a lot of time there and I've got a lot of mates there but um uh but that is uh, I think that is a critical thing because it was really hard to have an electric car here 10 years ago you really had to be an idiot and now it isn't it's very easy to use the charging where you, wherever you go and there's things like an increasing number of car parks where loads and loads of the spaces have a socket. It's not fast, but while you're at the restaurant, the shop, the whatever it is, you, you're, the car is charging. You're not waiting for it. It's charging. It's not charging that fast, but by the time you get back in a couple of hours, it's added 60, 70 miles. Well, that's 60 or 70 more miles than you had when you arrived. You know, that's that's like three gallons of petrol it's had poured into it. You know? So. <laughs> That stuff makes life so so you don't stop to charge. I mean, my ambition and all what I always try and tell people is never wait. If you're waiting to charge, you've blown it. You've done it wrong. You know, so I really try and make it so that I very, very rarely have to wait while my car is charging. You know, I stopping on the motorway, I have to because I'm of an age and a gentleman that has to stop. And I very <laughs> often now I will stop long before the car needs to stop. <laughs> I have to stop. You're going to another tank. <laughs> and it, and it is it is either bladder range or the charge discharge cycle, as some people have described it. <laughs> I have to do a bit of discharging, <laughs> which <laughs> doesn't sound nice. <laughs> but I mean, so that would be my anxiety in Italy because I don't know what the public charging infrastructure is like. I know it exists. Mm. I've seen, I've used a, a, a charger in um, where not Turin. Where were we? Well, uh, I can't think of the town on the Ligurian coast, the big city, sort of in the north of Italy, on the coast, on the west coast, northwest. Turin, but, not Turin. No, what is it? Oh, anyway, it's quite big. It's oh, where did the big bridge fall down? Um, the massive flyover bridge thing collapsed. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Two years I can't ago. Remember. Was it Bologna? No. I've got I to don't look really on know the anyway. very well. I'm right in the south, so it's like another country. So, oh god, yeah. So anyway, that's bizarre. When we saw that bridge, because there was a there was a charger in a car park of I think a supermarket where you could when you looked up that that huge bridge was just unless before it fell down. And I was really worried because we then drove along that bridge to go come back to the UK, and I was worried that the Tesla was so heavy it damaged it, and it was my fault. So it was like a year later when it collapsed. <laughs> I was very glad I wasn't on it when it collapsed. That was quite shocking, wasn't it? But, All right. Well, I'm. Yeah. I'm but there's a yeah. I'm convinced though. There. But um, there are a few. There are quite a few charging spots. Then they're coming in. They've even put them in. But so. But what car would you right. recommend I get? Oh, the, the Fiat Cinquecento. <laughs> the, the Fiat 500e is just. It was my favourite car. I drove probably 25, 30 cars last year. And they all, they're all compact SUVs. They all look very similar. They're all good. They weren't like they were rubbish. And then you look at the little Fiat and you just go, that is just beautiful. It's so cool. I mean, its range is a little bit limited, I suppose. I don't know what it does, about 150 miles on a charge. It's so nice to drive, so easy to park. It's so small. It's just, you know, it looks great. It's got a, a roof that goes, you know, a floppy roof. You can, so when you're in Italy and you open your roof, sunburn your head, oh. 
Beautiful. I loved it. Really easy to drive. Probably, I can't remember how much it cost. It will be more than the, the Cinquecento petrol, sadly. Okay. Fiat have been slightly slow in their uptake. Classic example of a combustion car company that could not sell cars in California unless they or they had an electric car available. So their Fiat 500e was only available in California for years. I used to see them when I worked in LA. And they people loved them. And they wouldn't supply them anywhere else. They had to, by law, supply them. And then they eventually went, oh, people really like these cars. Oh, look, they're buying them, but why don't we just make them? Finally, they went, oh, should we just make them? Now they've made them. People are going mad. They've got loads of orders. It's insanity. Yeah. So weird. It's a, it's a weird industry. It really is. And it's a huge industry. You know, you think historically in Italy, the car industry has been a massive, you know, the influence of Italian cars, not... All of them, I mean, because I love, I always love looking at Alfa Romeos. I think they look beautiful. And then everyone I know has had an Alfa Romeo always says, it's all right in Italy because it's nice and dry and sunny. But if you're in salty roads in the UK, that thing is going to rust. I'm sure they're not like that now. I'm sure they're better. But the one thing I don't (laughs) like, because I'm also a cyclist, and electric cars, they are silent, the ones we've had around here. I was climbing up the yeah. hill the other day, and it's a very steep hill outside my house. And I, a car came past me, and I hear, hear it. And I do have to wiggle a little bit to get up this hill. And I didn't right. hear the car, the second car, because it was an electric car, and it came in really right. close to me, and I, it just missed me. Wow. Well, that's a very bad – well, one thing, it's a very bad driver. Electric cars, I mean, they really aren't silent over 15 miles an hour. They make exactly the same noise as a petrol car. There's no really? difference. So if you stand, you know, because I, when I first sort of thought about and saw electric cars, I thought, oh, wouldn't this be wonderful if you lived near a big highway or a big motorway and there's all that noise and then suddenly as electric cars, there's nothing. It would be, it will be exactly the same because it's the, the noise is from the tyres and the wind over the bodywork. Oh. And that's where all the sound, once you go over a certain speed, and actually if you think the last 25, 30 years, Motor manufacturers have spent an enormous amount of time, money, and technology making cars quieter. Mm. A modern petrol car is very, very quiet in comparison with when I was a kid, how much noise they would make. So they are quieter. But the so the critical thing is, because I'm a cyclist as well, uh, when I drive a car and there's a cyclist on the road, I slow down and I wait till it's safe to pass and I pass them with a, the biggest... I actually make a kind of joke. Of it. I'll go right up the other side of the road, so I'm ten meters away from them, and wave, and then carry on. Because that's, I, you know, it's terrifying when a big truck comes past you flat out and doesn't give you any room. It's just horrible. So that's drivers as much as anything. But I don't think, you know, there was a lot of stories in the British press for a while about the silent killer. And then I thought, well, Rolls Royce spent 150 years making their cars as quiet as possible. The Daily Mail never said the silent killer the Rolls Royce. The ticking clock is the loudest thing you'll hear. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, they're, they're, it's a shame that they're not quieter, it would be my argument, that actually they're quite, you know, I've done, I've filmed, uh, put a camera at the side of a road uh, in the countryside near where I live and just waited until a petrol car drove past at like 50 miles an hour. Then I drove past at 50 miles an hour in an electric car. And there's no difference. It's exactly the same amount of noise at that speed. But at, certainly at n- 0 to 10, 15 miles an hour, they're very, very quiet. And you have to be very careful with pedestrians. I mean, I'm thinking pedestrians. Yeah, yeah. More, Young kids more running out. Yeah. Thing. 
and little kids, you know. But then you have to be careful in a car. The cars are dangerous. They're bloody lethal. <laughs> do you think they should have a little sounding or something at that low speed? They do. They, in lots of countries, it's legislated. You have to. Most of the cars, I, we have two electric cars. They all make a sound at, at, at low speed. They're sort of... They do that kind of funny noise. The Porsche, ooh, that makes a wonderful... That is <laughs> like a, a sexy sound. A tie, oh, it's such a sexy sound. It's like a TIE fighter from Star Wars, like just cruising around the... <laughs> Wow. Around the Death Star. It's amazing noise. The Teslas don't make a noise, but they're going to have to. At the moment, they don't. They, they, uh, Elon Musk has decided it's a stupid notion. He's probably right, but it's going to be much people will feel safer. I actually want them always to make a noise backwards. So if you're in like a supermarket car park, they will have, I mean, they have cameras that look mm. backwards, which is quite common now. And you're reversing out. That's super quiet. And I've had a couple of occasions where I've put the brakes on because I've suddenly seen someone just walk right behind me without realizing I was reversing. Reverse lights on, but there's no engine noise at all. It's, it's so quiet. It's just the grit under the tires. That's, that's <laughs> it. That's as loud as it is. <laughs> yeah, the old lady didn't hear. The best one of all was when we were at, we stopped at a, a petrol station, a gas station. My wife was driving and. We'd, we'd stopped to get a coffee. We didn't buy any petrol. <laughs> and we were at parked there, and it was quite busy. There was people walking around and cars going in and out. And she started to reverse. And I just, I was looking, drinking my coffee, and I glanced at the reversing camera, and it was blue with stitching. And it just made no sense. It just didn't look right. And I went, and I did the horrible thing, which husbands and wives, you should never do. Stop, 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 stop! You know? <laughs> and she stopped. And what it was, we then discovered, was a woman had was bent over right behind our car and looking in her bag for a wallet or something. I don't know what. Mm. And so she hadn't realised we were moving. And we were we would have been less than five centimetres from her posterior, which was, and she was wearing jeans. So we were basically looking, uh, we had a wide angle lens, very, very close to a, a woman's bottom. So it was very And your rude. wife said afterwards, uh, you but noticed we did. that. You were looking at her bottom. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You were looking at her arse. Yeah. <laughs> I was because it filled my <laughs> field of vision. Yeah, no, but uh, it was. We got over that row, but uh, it was difficult. She was very upset, but she hadn't looked there. She'd looked in the mirror, couldn't see anything. No, that was a classic. So yeah, you do have to be careful in those circumstances. Yeah. Wow, oh, this has been brilliant, Robert. This is encyclopedia. I think you covered the A to Z of why to buy an electric car. <laughs> oh, I, want, I just want to. I'm just hoping we can get come to Italy again. The last time we drove there, it was. Fabulous. There's a wonderful car charging. Uh, it's got hundreds of chargers and big solar panels in uh, Aosta, just at the foot of the Alps in Italy. It's just And when we got there, we just got over the, a really high pass. And it was three, four, no, four degrees centigrade at the top of the pass. It was raining and it was miserable and horrible. And my wife was in a really bad temper because we had to then go down one of those windy Alpine roads. And when we got out at Aosta Charger, it was 32 degrees centigrade. <laughs> and that she was much happier then. And we got a proper Italian coffee and the world got better. Most people know where their favourite trattoria is or their favourite uh, restaurant, yeah, but you know yes. the charging spots. Well, I know where all the charging spots It's sad but true, yes. There's one, oh, there's one up the coast, on the Ligurian coast. There's a supercharger there in the car park of a marina. And I just went, marina, oh my God. <laughs> An Italian marina, it's slightly different to one that, you know, where there's three old yachts in a British one and it's damp and there's one seagull that's just shat on it. This, You can't really call them yachts. They were ships. <laughs> there were some ships parked there with a lot of 
crew who were all gorgeous in white shorts polishing things. I don't know what, and we got a coffee there and some, that was, yeah, that was slightly different level of marina than mm. I'm used to. That was very nice. <laughs> well, but no, that's uh, what, what kind of style of songs do you like? What kind of music? What kind of? God, I'm I'm really terrible because <laughs> I there's I don't know. There's some stuff I love. So there's some modern young people's music that I think is amazing. So I've just heard this woman. I can't now remember her name. Uh, Twiggy Twigs. She's got some letters and the word twigs, and she does dancing and singing. I've never, I've just heard of her very recently, and I went, she's extraordinary. I'm going to remember her name because I know where to look for it. Um, uh, hang on, I'm t- I'll try and do this very quickly. I'm not, she's not going to be available, <laughs> she, to I don't, sing song, but I'll, I'll do my best. No, no, um, no, it's not that. Ah, is that it? Yes, FKA Twigs. Okay. Talia Debrett Bennett is a, 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 a singer. From, and bizarrely, I didn't know this about her because she's sort of super cool, super hip. And she actually comes from the, our nearby town, Cheltenham. <laughs> I had no idea. No one comes. My parents were from Cheltenham. You know, no one cool comes from Cheltenham. Oh, yes, they do. This girl, she's very cool. So I heard her and I went, oh, I won't like that music. I'm too old. And actually, it was amazing. I did like it. but um, And I couldn't even tell you what style it is. It's quite weird. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I grew up in the 70s, so the bands that were influential on me were kind of the the Bowies, the, the Velvet Underground, you know, Lou Reed. The, I did see the Rolling Stones in real life in 1976. They were quite good. They can play quite well, <laughs> I'll admit that. So uh, it's very... Uh, I saw Joni Mitchell in the 1970s. So, that, you know, those sort of... Uh, uh, I think it's. A, I always want to resist that that the, your influence is the music you hear when you're in your early to mid teens. You know that, but it definitely has stayed with me. But then, you know, there's been people since then that I've just been obsessed with. But I don't think I'm terribly. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very eclectic. So I love. I mean, like uh, modern jazz. I love jazz. Uh, you know, it's not. It's like finding a, a music you don't like is harder. And there is some. I'm not that crazy about sort of hardcore rap okay. and no hardcore rap grunge. Just make an end of that. I think, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know if that's what it would be called. <laughs> you know, you said because also when you're my age and you start talking about music, you immediately become <laughs> you become my dad in the 1970s, who would who would just repeat the names of bands like it was insane people. Led Zeppelin. <laughs> it does sound a crazy name. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix. Who the hell is he? <laughs> he? He walked into my bedroom once when I was probably about 15 and I was listening to Jimi Hendrix and he just looked at me in utter despair and went, deafening, and walked out because it was so loud and awful. <laughs> so I've, I've turned into one of those. I don't like your rap, your hardcore rap music. <laughs> Can't they just sing? Why do they have to speak it out and say motherfucker so often? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i don't know i'm not yes i'm not very good at that uh oh i tell you one thing i love you what have you ever seen that a thousand drummers is it called uh-huh. the, the, it's amazing it's an amazing video it's on youtube and it's because it's in italy it's um it was a town in italy that wanted oh god it's memory you're suffering from this i'm going to look that up very quickly um because i'm trying to remember the name of the the band 
you you will you'll want to you'll want this in the podcast i know <laughs> yes okay so the the this band in this uh, guy in italy wanted the foo fighters to play in his local town in italy it was not a big town it's not like it's not like rome or turin and so he organized for a, a thousand musicians the rocking 1000 to play learn to fly by the foo fighters and it's it's a field full of drummers if you look up learn to fly foo fighters rocking 1000 official video it is the most remarkable thing because how they've timed it so there's a literally a field full of drummers and it's one two three four and they all hit it bang on that bloody moment and then they all sing it so there's maybe 250 people singing the lyrics there's 300 guitar bass guitarists there's 250 lead guitars there's kids on drums that you go, bloody hell, he's good. You know, little kid, massive fat guys. Brilliant bit of drumming. You see them doing it. Girls on drums, girls on bass guitars. It's amazing. There's one guy doing it. So the uh, Foo Fighters heard it, saw this, and they went there, did a gig. Wow. And actually, the weird thing is when you hear them play the same song, it's not as good. <laughs> that really took me. There's a video of them actually playing at this town. I can't remember where it is. And uh, they, it's they all right, drummers. but the, but the thousand drummers just like I'm going to check that out. You know, I mean, I think they've done they've done lots and lots of different things around the world. That's just the one I first saw. But um, so they've played. Like, oh yeah, there's a thousand musicians play "Highway to Hell." <laughs> Radar Love, that's good. I have seen that one. They played "Radar Love" by Golden Earring, which is a classic Dutch a Dutch rock band from the 1970s. We love them. The only famous <laughs> Dutch band. Oh, I'm sure there must be more. Yeah, I can't think of any others. Yeah, no, but that, yeah. So no, it's definitely worth checking that out. That was good, but that doesn't really help. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting the idea that you, I understand you like percussion. So uh, plenty of. Drums. I quite like yeah. percussion. Oh, let me tell you one. Can I? Have we got sure, time sure. for one more story? What's the time? Yeah, I've got to go soon. Um, uh, I was cycled into Covent Garden to go to the gym in my youth. <laughs> and in the middle of Covent Garden Piazza, in the, you know, it sounds so grand. It's not a piazza like an Italian would be, but it's a square with cobbles. <laughs> and that, that's where the gym I used to go to was. This is 25, 35, 30 years ago. I don't even want to think. Long time ago. Locked my bike up, and then uh, I jumped out of my skin because it was this noise, this phenomenal explosion of noise. And I thought it was like a bomb. I don't know what it was. And I looked at how I got this far. I don't know. Massive crowd of people just up the, the road, the other end of the piazza. And that's why it was quite empty where I was, because everyone had gone up there. So I then go up there, and there was this high-pitched call, an African call, and it was the Burundi drummers. Ooh. And they were performing in London. They were just mind-boggling. Because they play, I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they play the drums on their heads. They have a huge drum on their head. They play it backwards like this, hitting it above their foreheads. Loads of, then they're hugely tall people. They're like six foot five is the average height of the Burundi people. And they're playing these drums. And it was and it was the drumming style that Adamant used in a lot of his. So you recognize. So that's what was weird, because I'd heard yeah. that. That kind of thing where, you know, Adamant would then sing. Up. This was just this is where he got it from. Really? It was a Burundi drumming. So the Burundi drummers, and they, they do these calls and returns with the drumming. It's just an amazing thing to suddenly and i had out of the blue i had no idea this was going on and they were there for a big 
concert and you know they just played in the, the, the piazza that day to a packed i mean obviously everybody else knew it was on <laughs> <Got a clue. laughs> but that was that was very moving thing to see you know out of the blue it was a extraordinary adamant drumming yeah but now you think of it now you say it but i didn't yeah yeah no if you just look if you google burundi drummers you'll see them playing that they, they do that amazing and then there are the other one oh god yeah no there's lots of things i love i definitely love that sort of when there is that kind of amazing coalition between like um uh, Paul Simon, uh, when he played with the, in South Africa, when everyone said you shouldn't right. play in South Africa, but he did, and he, he, with that, with the Soweto, the guys from Soweto, that is beautiful. Their singing right. is just so exquisite. So let me just get this straight: um, you're setting the bar quite high here. So you want you want oh, sorry, FKA yes. Twigs singing <laughs> with the, an African choir and the Marindi drummers, yeah. uh, <laughs> a thousand. Yeah, I want a thousand, a minimum of a thousand drummers. No, no, I'm very happy with a little folk right. song. <laughs> That's what we're more likely to get. <laughs> yeah, can I have a quirky folk song that mentions electric oh, cars oh, and passing? I can That's help you with that, Robert. More than adequate. <laughs> You've come to the right place. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, well, thank you very much. No, it's been lovely to been talk a pleasure. to you. And I'm very jealous you're in Italy. But, and I hope you're keeping well, because I know it's been bad in Italy as well yeah, as here. Yeah. No. Look after Good yourself. podcast. It is, isn't it? Yeah, I know. You're not kidding. Yeah, I've done a lot of it. <laughs> Hope you've stored up a lot for the year so All you right. can have a big holiday. Yes. I, oh, God, no. Because we're filming. We're actually filming tomorrow in a garage. Uh, we're watching a car's battery being swapped. Oh. It's the first filming we've done this year. But it's in very safe and we've all got masks on and we're all, and, you know, all the normal stuff. But it's in a huge uh, okay. building. So it's not like we're not cramped together. So, Brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, thanks very much. Very Robert. good to talk Real to you. Pleasure. All right, take care, Bye -bye. Jack. All right. That was motivating over the hill. Zombie building in a coup de mill. A Cadillac rolling on the open stretch. Nothing out from my Tesla X. The Cadillac doing about 95. She and Papa the bumper rolling side by side. Maybelline, where you won't get far. Nothing out runs an electric car. The Cadillac pulled up 104. Tesla heart wouldn't do no more. Dung got cloudy and started to rain. Tooted my horn for the passing lane. Rainwater blowing all under my hood. Dude, that was doing my battery. Maybelline, where you won't get far. Nothing out runs an electric car.
podcast Why is it taking so long? You want your air clean, forget dirty gasoline Switch to an electric car Electric cars, electric cars Funkier by far Never have I seen a sexier machine I want to get in an electric car I want to get your But I did get Helen Austin from Big Little Lions. She sang the backing vocals on Electric Cars, the second song. All right, those songs will be available later on Spotify, Deezer, iTunes, anywhere songs live. Um, If you could share the podcast with your friends, I'd really appreciate it. That's the best way to to grow the show. And if you want to write likes and, and stars and things like that, that's great as well. All right, thanks again to my other musicians, Mauricio Sanicola, Massimino Vodza, and Luigi Falcione, and my researcher, Dori Verbo. See you next time.